You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rusk. And we're here to give you the tools and knowledge to invest both your time and money better. If you're new, feel free to jump in with our Starter Pack series that aired in early 2022 or our Shares or ETF mini series. We've got plenty to share with you in today's episode, but if you want to catch us on socials, head to Rusk Australia on Insta and Twitter. I'm also found at Kate Campbell AUS on Insta. And I'm Owen Rusk AU on Insta. Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us. And just one final heads up before we get into the show. This podcast contains general financial information only. Kate Campbell, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. It is wonderful to be back, Owen, for another Q&A episode this week, focusing on our listeners' investing questions. And there are quite a lot of them. Yes, there are. We have everything from ETFs to companies to uh, a few, I think there's a planted joke question in there as well. Uh, And there's a few things about like, what do you do with currencies and that sort of stuff. So some of it's a little bit um, nuanced, but uh, generally everyone could get something from this episode, regardless of whether you're new or experienced in your investing. Amazing. So Owen, I guess to kick things off, We're just reminding everyone that it is general content only, so we don't know anything about you or your situation, and we're just talking generally, and we're going to point you in the direction of more resources so you can explore and find other experts to help you along your way. Yeah, absolutely. So the general advice warning applies. Because we don't know your personal circumstances, it is really important to get a financial planner on your side who can take into account your needs, goals, or objectives. Uh, We will reference some of that throughout this conversation because there was a question or someone alluded to not being able to find a financial planner. So I will fill you in on how to do that. Uh, We also have our financial services guide for the RAS group that's known in the industry as an FSG that's available at our website. We make all of our legal documents really easy to find. Uh, the FSG is just ras.com.au slash FSG. Uh, if you want to learn more, it tells you about what we can and can't say 
uh, and, and so forth. Uh, so if we do get questions in, and we do love to get questions in, we're going to do this more regularly. There is a link in the show notes that says, ask a question, select the Australian finance podcast and you will get your question coming through to us here uh, there are other channels at rask so don't be confused about all of those if you want the question answered here that's what you need to select uh, and we do try and do these regularly but when we do we love it when you send it through with a bit of humor and you give us a funny name it just builds on that whole general advice like if you come in and you say your name is sausage roll we won't know if your name's really john smith so it just adds an extra layer of just your understanding that it is general information only. Sound good? Sounds good, Owen. Now, everyone in the financial services space knows there's those TV segments on the news that are buy, hold, sell, and they'll throw different stocks at experts. And on the spot, they've just got to come up with some sort of opinion on the company. So as a bit of a play on that today, I thought I'd give you a buy, hold, sell, but a travel-related one because I know you've got a trip coming up later yes. this year. So your options are a Thailand all-inclusive retreat, a hike through the French countryside, and skiing in Queenstown. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I came up with these three options, but well, what are your thoughts? I personally, I would probably go the hike through the French countryside. It sounds the most expensive. So if we're taking the cost out of it, I would say that would be the best value for money. But also, it's something that you can't do that easily from Australia, right? I feel like I'm going to guess, I'm going to feel, I'm going to say that you would say the same thing. I think so. I would probably sell the skiing trip. I'm I feel like going skiing for me would just cost more in injuries mm. than I'd gain in experiences. And uh, I'd probably hold the Thailand all-inclusive retreat. That could I can do that in the future sometime. They all sound pretty good. Definitely a buy on the French hike. The Probably a hold on the skiing because I do love that. And maybe if I had to a sell on Thailand. Um, been and done a lot of Asia recently, but uh, could go again. But if I had the choice, that would be a sell. Good one. Awesome. All right. So... To kick off the first question, it's a broad one to start with about what we should look out for in 2024 from Capital Crack Up. There you go. Mm -hmm. There's your first funny name for the day, Owen. Mm -hmm. So what's your outlook on some of the key sectors and companies for the year ahead? I'm wondering about your thoughts and ideas for a 2024 watch list on what to keep an eye on. And yeah. they just listed a few ideas they've got there. Um, maybe we won't read those out. Yeah, there was a few there from travel to... Uh, lithium and uh, and there was an interesting one there which I'll come back to in a second. Um, yeah, so the thing to understand about long-term investing and if we're going to talk, we can talk about it through two lenses today perhaps because this is where people expect us to take this. Um, there's typically two different types of things that most people want to invest in through their brokerage account and that is individual companies or shares and uh, ETFs or exchange-traded funds. You can invest in other things which will come up throughout this discussion but um Typically, when you do that, what you're looking at in the ETF side of your portfolio is you're looking at long-term investments. So if we think about like an outlook for 2024, I would consider that to be extremely short-term. And so I would not be thinking too heavily about which ETFs could do really well this year. Typically for me and for us, a short-term ETF would be like a short-term view on an ETF would be probably be three years. And there's some pretty simple reasons for that is that statistically speaking, the most likely uh, way that you will get really good performance in any one ETF over, say, three years is it's actually the sentiment around the theme. So, say, for example, lithium, 
Uh, if you go back two years, lithium was really red hot. Everyone knew that it could be used in batteries. Uh, at the time, there may have been a, a supply shortage. And so the price of those companies went way up. And so that pushed the ETFs up too. Um, and that's that's great. And that, that's fine. Um, that didn't necessarily happen over one year. It happened over a few years. If you go back to the ACDC ETF from Globalex, um, which just invests in like lithium companies and, and battery technology businesses. That did really well for a few years. It was the top performer, if I'm not mistaken. Now, so that can work, right? But the problem is that over the long term, uh, gravity tends to set in a bit and the valuations come down. Even if those companies within the ETF start to perform well, you tend to have this reversion to the mean. Uh, and so you've got to be really careful that you're not buying in at the back end of that kind of first hype cycle. Um, and for most people with a year-long focus, I'd say that's more risk than it's worth. You're better off, if you're going to do that, in my opinion, you're better off looking at the second bucket, which is companies. And within the companies that were given to us, there were a few, but there were some travel stocks. There was ACDC, and there was another company called uh, Imugen, which trades under the ticker symbol IMU. So very different. We've got travel, we've got biotech, and then you've got just the broad-based uh, ACDC ETF. When you're in the shares bucket, um, again, 12 months is very short term. If anyone's run a business, say like you're a landscaper and you run and you do driveways and you know all that sort of stuff, the reality is if you're setting goals for your business, you, know, you might set goals like 90-day goals or 60-day goals or whatever, but the reality is those goals are building towards a yearly long goal. And then that goal is building towards like a five or 10 year goal where you want to have a profitable business and so on and so forth. So if someone was to come and invest in your landscaping business, sure, you might make some changes in the next few months or whatever, but you're going to, it's not really going to be that noticeable. What you want to be doing is you want to be buying businesses that can go on and keep winning over many, many years. And I will have some um, studies to reference in a moment about this, but what I would say with companies is you do need to be a bit more hands-on and you did it to be a bit more realistic. And if you are trying to do this shorter term trading, which is for me is 12 months, keep it contained, keep it in that satellite allocation, you know, that small amount of the portfolio, 1% of the overall portfolio, maybe goes into one or two of these things. I'll give you an example of where taking a long-term perspective really counts. And, um, this is more a tip for anyone that's not necessarily looking for shorter term trades, but looking for a theme that they can build on into the future. So first of all, you would want to identify the theme, which may be healthcare. Then within that, you're going to have a list of companies and you can get that list through just searching the internet, your brokerage account, or you can go into an ETF's holdings and see which companies dominate that ETF and use that as your watch list to research. One of the companies in Australia in the healthcare sector is a company called Prometicus, which I own shares in and have done for many years. This company at the time when I researched it was very was much more risky than it is today. But today it has uh, just announced that, well, not today, but this week, it just announced that it's now building its software inside the Apple Vision Pro device, which is for people that don't know, it's that thing that's taking the world by storm where you put the goggles on and away you go. Um, and that business, as a result of these continuous innovations, just kept on winning and winning and winning. And, you know, our members held that since 2017. Some people have had it much longer than that. Um, and it may be up 50, 100 times for some people. And if you think about that, the long-term benefits of that are absolutely amazing. Um, you could... If, if when I was buying the shares in 2017, I wasn't thinking that in 2024 
Prometicus would be building some software that is in Vision Pro, which is something that Steve Jobs talked about like 10 years ago that wasn't actually a thing. Like you don't know these. And mm-hmm. the reality is as a long-term investor in individual shares, you got you, you don't want to be focusing on what's going to go up in the next 12 months. You want to focus on the businesses that can continually keep winning and growing and adapting to the world around them. And so my tip, rather than try and tell you what's going to happen in 2024, my tip would be just find the business that has got the right culture and the right team in place for long-term success. Um, that would be my my kind of one little educational mm-hmm. bit that I'd throw into this. Do you see value, Owen, in keeping a watch list, though, for thematic positions, maybe in ETFs or small companies that people are interested in? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so a good example of that's a good question uh, would be FANG, the FANG Plus ETF from GlobalX. Uh, a couple of years ago, we, we ran an ad because GlobalX was sponsoring this podcast. Uh, it, when we ran that ad, I started to think more thoughtfully about that's a really interesting ad and I'm starting to dig into a bit more into Fang and Fang, by the way, people just owns like the top 10 tech stocks. Um, and at the time, this was when uh, interest rates were expected to go up. Inflation was hitting uh, and people were worried about the big tech companies having to lay off staff. And so if I wasn't already aware of that ETF and how it sat in the macro environment, like in the economic mm-hmm. cycle, we would have missed that. Um, and so you want to have a watch list of the really good ETFs. And so there's probably like five to 10 ETFs on the ASX that you should probably be aware of at all times. And not only be aware of, you should also be aware of what type of market environments they tend to perform well in. And so a good example of this is we just sold our gold position uh, for our Rascore membership. We just got out of, we just exited our gold position, which is a big move for us because normally we don't just exit completely. Um, But if you think about it, interest rates are now higher. And so gold doesn't pay any income. So gold is typically good when inflation is rising and when there's geopolitical uncertainty. But now that inflation has risen, you should have a watch list of other ETFs that could potentially enter the room for the next three-year period or the next five-year period. And so for me, that was a bond ETF, which we'd already been watching, but we hadn't fully invested in. So absolutely have that list that you can watch. If this person's interested in healthcare, the IXJ ETF from iShares is a good one to, to keep an eye on. Um, and then the same with stocks. Like our team is always looking at companies. Like there aren't that many really good companies mm-hmm. in Australia. So um, we keep a list of 30 to 50 of them. Um, and so when the time is right, you can buy it. It was like ResMed last year for those of you that know that. Yeah, and you've put a lot of reports out recently inside Rascore for members on different companies just so people can learn a bit more about them and if they want to, put them on their watch list. Yeah, should yeah, good point. Yeah, thanks, Kate. Um, should mention that we don't, inside the membership, we don't make official quote-unquote recommendations because we're trying to help people build their core portfolio, but we know they love individual shares just like I do. So you can go in there and you can read the reports, but the reports aren't written like buy, hold, sell. They're written like a story of that business and what has made it what we call an all-star. And so ResMed would be a good example of that. This is a business that helps people with sleep apnea. It's those masks that some people wear and freak other people out because it sounds like deep breathing. Um, But that business was sold off uh, as a result of Ozempic. People thought, well, there's not gonna be as many obese people, so therefore they're not gonna need sleep apnea masks, which seems a bit far-fetched to me. Uh, And so we did a write-up on that um, and it's not always that you have a business like that that's fallen 30 or 40%. And so that's where that watch list comes in. 
you have ResMed on the watch list before it falls so that when it falls, you're ready to take action. Awesome. All right. So the next question I've got was a little bit long, so I'm going to summarize it basically into two parts. Mm-hmm. I want to find a financial advisor, but there's no good ones in my area. What should I do? So that's the first part. And the second part is got a bit of savings, want to get a better interest rate than what's on offer with the bank. What's the best way to grow their wealth? They're interested in ETFs. So sort of a should I leave it in the bank? Should I invest it? I think that's an interesting one to talk about too because risk and time frame and all of that come into it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and just a quick note on this question that came through. It's a great question, um, but I just want to remind everyone that when you do write into us and you use words like recommendation, that's a bit of a red flag for us because we don't make recommendations like a, um, a financial advisor would. And I was taught very early days with Rask that we wouldn't use the word recommendation across our business because we don't want you to get confused to think that it's personalized advice because a financial advisor makes a recommendation, but we might have an opinion, but it's not tailored to anyone's needs. So just keep that in mind. Um, so financial advisors, uh, the good ones are worth their weight in gold. Uh, and people sometimes think that because they pay four or five grand for a financial advisor, 10 grand, it's not worth the money. But the way I've always thought about this is if they help you avoid one tax mm. issue or they help you avoid selling um, at a bad time, selling at a bad time or buying something that's just frankly just terrible, mm. which we all do from time to time. <laughs> we all help you. Yep. It, the, and the bigger your nest egg or the bigger your income, the more this makes sense. So it's kind mm. of like a bit of an irony here is that the more money you have, the more you need financial advice. Um, but in the beginning, you kind of still want the advice, but you just don't have the means. You don't see the benefit. But in that instance, when you're earlier in life, just get one-off advice. So this is what we call, like, it's typically called structured advice or it's typically, you know, that's pretty much what it is. You get something called a statement of advice, SOA. Um, and you can find them on the MoneySmart website, moneysmart.gov.au. Uh, you can head to um, the IF. AAA, it's PIFA website, pifa.org.au. That's for independent financial planners. And then, of course, thirdly, you have our uh, financial planning uh, partners, and that's all available in the show notes as well. And hundreds of people have already done that, which is just amazing. Um, And depending on your age demographic, typically, and your situation in life, you get matched with a financial planner. Um, But say, for example, Everest, who has appeared on the show before, uh, Everest, they... Typically, I don't know exactly. It de- depends on people's situations, but they might charge anywhere from say four to six or four to seven thousand dollars. Chances are, a, it's a pretty good chance a chunk of that could be paid for by your super balance. And they don't do. They typically, typically don't do ongoing relationships. They don't try and put you into anything super like weird where you're stuck in there or whatever. It doesn't really. That's not how it works. That's why we mm-hmm. partnered with them. Uh, so they're a good option. Um, but also like. If you're heading towards retirement, maybe you do want someone that puts you in one of those things where, like what we call a platform, where it does handle all your tax. It does handle everything all in one place. Sure, you pay a bit more, but it's all done for you. So the guys at Northeast or Waddle, they do that. Um, The second part of your question is basically investing versus saving. Um, I, I, I think an analogy here would be like if someone asks me, what's the best hammer? You know, well, the next question would be, what are you using it for? And so, if you want to invest in something rather than have savings, we know, and everyone basically that listens to this know that you shouldn't invest in something unless you're investing for at least three years. Mm. 
And the reason is, Kate, as you know, that the stock market could fall. The property market could fall. Like we're just having a conversation off air about how these properties in this one area that I'm looking at have fallen drastically, like drastically in 15 months. Um, and so you wouldn't ever make in quote unquote investment for less than three years. Um, and that's really important if you're weighing up the decision between saving for a first home and investing. Mm. Um, because the reality is a different tool will be used for the strategy, but you need to know what the strategy is first. And so for short term, term deposits and that are great. Um, you could even do a few different term deposits and that just gives you a slight bit more than in a savings account, say from ING, which is currently offering 5%. Um, that's what I would probably go with uh, for short-term things. But longer term, the final warning I'll add here when you're investing is that for a lot of families uh, with a mortgage, even in the longer term, you might feel better if you keep your money in an offset account against your mortgage rather than putting the money into an ETF, which can go up and down. Because at least if you put the money into your offset account, you've effectively helping you sleep easy at night, but you're effectively locking in a savings rate that's equivalent to your interest on the mortgage plus your tax rate. Um, so it's a pretty good deal. A lot of listeners of the show are just putting their money in an offset account, maybe using like Raise or Perla Micro on the side. That's fine too. Um, and yeah, I think that the other questions are going to talk about ETFs. So I can talk about more generally, Kate, about those ETFs in a sec. Mm, I think it's really interesting because people starting their investing journey, there's often this really big focus on just investing everything and forgetting that cash actually plays a really important role mm. in your portfolio and your financial life. And it's something I've come to appreciate more and more as the years have gone by, because at the beginning, I was just like, oh, I've got a little bit of money in cash. The rest is invested that's fine. But as life gets more messy and complicated, you've got mm. more priorities, you're managing, having a bigger cash buffer is actually something that gives me a lot of peace of mind. I know that I've got money if anything comes up. It's become more than just an emergency fund and it is part of my financial foundation because it gives me a lot more choices. I know I've got mortgage repayments for quite a few months if anything happens. And so I see it as an important part of my financial foundations now. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. Like the important part of that is uh, you can then use the cash in the future to change strategy. You can't always go the other way. So you can't always go from I'm fully invested and now I want cash because then you're going to pay tax. It might be the bottom of the market. Whereas at least if you're in cash, it gives you that flexibility for the future. Um, and like things change in life, like things change, things change in the property market, things change in the share market, things change in your business, things change with your career. And so you, you don't always know those things. So having that stable base of money just sitting there is a wonderful thing. Um, the next question kind of deals with ETF investing, which is really interesting. And that kind of ties into the one we just left between saving and investing. Yeah. So this question is from Stock Stumbler. So mm -hmm. another great name. Sounds good. Hi, guys. I've been investing around 20% of my income over the past 18 months with some basic core ETFs like IOZ, IVV, along with some other high quality businesses. My question is, how long do I give myself to see if I can beat the market before I make a decision to continue picking stocks or direct all of my investments towards core ETFs? Yeah, so it's a good question. Um, a lot of people know we're big fans of the core and satellite approach, hence why we uh, named our membership RASCOR. Um, so 
the core and satellite approach, for those of you that don't know, is you have a very stable, sensible, long-term focus core portfolio. That's where the majority of your money goes into every month with your pay packet. And that's typically made up of low-cost ETFs, index funds, and maybe some managed funds or blue chip shares. But then around the outside, you have your satellite, which can be higher risk, individual stocks and so on. I think the best thing to do is to do the opposite of what I did. I started with the satellites, like I started with individual stocks. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I was working at The Motley Fool and um, they're wonderful investors over there, but I was indoctrinated in how to find great companies. And while I still believe that you can find great companies and I still believe individual investors can do much better than the average, I think for the most people, people that aren't just throwing their entire life at how to identify a great business, the best thing to do is to use the core portfolio first as you develop the skills to identify those businesses. And that would mean reading business books. It would mean like listening to people like Warren Buffett and other people like in Australian investing that you admire and that you think have um, a pretty balanced view on how to invest and find businesses. Um, Because intuitively it makes sense that you could find companies or businesses that are better than average. Like you only need to go down the street and see that there's three different cafes and one of them is really good and the other two aren't that great. We all know which one's going to make more money. So um, it would intuitively make sense. The problem is a lot of the studies that we reference and a lot of the things that get said in books are very nuanced when it comes to whether to pick stocks or whether to use an ETF. I'll give you an example. So a lot of people may have heard of the the SPIVA report, S-P-I-V-A, which is a famous report that comes out from Standard & Poor's. And it basically compares fund managers who pick stocks versus index funds. So they put them head to head and they go, which ones do better? And over time, it shows that nearly always the index fund does better than the active fund manager. And so most people therefore conclude that they shouldn't pick individual stocks because even the pros can't do it better than an index fund, which is generally probably true. But most people aren't fund managers as far as I know. So it's not a perfect like causation. Mm. And this is where I think a lot of people get it wrong is that individual investors are not fund managers. They're and not so managing actually, other people's money. Yeah, and the, some of the things they don't have to do is they don't have to write a monthly letter to excuse themselves for poor performance. They don't have to deal with brokers. They don't have to deal with uh, compliance teams. They don't have to deal with all the other things that come with running a business like HR. So they're not fund managers. And so I'll give you an example. Like you could go and buy ResMed shares six months ago as an individual investor. And then you don't have to go and take a call from Mrs. Jones to say, but I heard about Ozempic on news.com.au and it's going to destroy ResMed. And you don't have to deal with that because you're a long-term investor. No one's looking over your shoulder to say, why do you own this? Do something about it kind of thing. So just be careful about the conclusions that you draw from reading those other reports. That's the first thing. Second thing is start to track your performance as quickly as you can. You can use ShareSite or you can use Nevexa. Those are the two big portfolio trackers in Australia. We've partnered with Nevexa. It's not a commercial thing. We don't make money from it. Um, but with Nevexa, you can automatically load your shareholdings and your transactions into the account just like you can with ShareSite. Uh, and that will give you a tax report at the end of the tax year, but it will also give you a performance report that's updated every day. I would say a minimum of three years is what you need to do um, before you can have some sort of insight into how you're performing. Um, I would ideally say even longer than that. But while you're still figuring out if you're good at this thing called stock picking, don't, this is just general for anyone, don't put all your 
your eggs in one basket, obviously. Don't go and put all your money into one stock or to 20 stocks. Still have that core portfolio. Still have that core portfolio because statistically speaking, that is the lowest risk for the most people. So you're better off using that core portfolio first. And let's say if you could save, I don't know, let's say you could save hypothetically two grand a month. If I was saving two grand a month, I'd probably put $1,500 into the core portfolio and $500 so I could make one trade on a share every month. And I would do that for three years and just track them both. And the good thing about uh, Nevexa is you can set up what they call portfolios so you can track one side of the portfolio separate to the other uh, and you can see how they both perform. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's really important as well because even the fund managers don't put all their eggs in one basket. They're always invested in more than one company or different type of thing. So they are diversifying in their own way across different types of investments. Yeah, and it sounds like this person has a lot of humility in that they're giving it a go, but they're saying, I may not be the best, so I want to know how I know that. Um, and that's so much better than most people who kind of go into investing, predominantly young ma males. Sorry, guys, it's us. Um, we typically go into it like we are the best. We're going to win. Uh, if we just read more books than someone else or, you know, we listen to this guy on YouTube, we will do better than average. Um, unfortunately, that's not always the way it works. Unfortunately, some of the best things you can do is accept that you're not the best and you will get better outcomes. Awesome. The next question is from Dear Liza, because there's a hole in my bucket. <laughs> It took me a minute to get that one, but I think it's wonderful. <laughs> like that kid's nursery rhyme. Yeah. I have heard you talk a lot about how ETFs are a good place to start. I've been looking at, they just listed a heap of Australian ASX 200 ETFs, and it seems like over five years, the share price hasn't grown enough to justify calling it a compounder of 5 to 10% per year. Yeah. How do you calculate the increase in value of holding ETFs over a long period if it's not based on price? Is it a combination of share price, dividends, and DRPs combined? What other factors am I missing? Yeah, so this is a great question because we often, well, I'll put myself in, I almost always say that from a broad index fund ETF, like say A200 from BetaShares, um, VAS from Vanguard, IOZ, SCW, whatever, uh, or in the US where you've got like, um, IVV or VGS, not so much, but kind of VGS for global investors. I often say on the show that you can expect over the full market cycle returns of about 5 to 10% per annum on average, right? And when I say market cycle, it's like 10 years. A lot of people think that a market cycle is 12, cal 12, cal uh, 12 months, a calendar year. Um, that's not, that is actually not a cycle. A cycle in finance and investing is probably seven to 10 years. Um, so keep that, that's like the interest rate cycle. It's like the economic cycle all overlapping. Um, and I was doing the numbers because I was like, this doesn't seem right. I did the numbers on STW, which is an ETF we don't talk about that much, but it's one of the biggest in Australia. STW is um, a spider ETF, SPDR. It's actually the longest running uh, ETF in Australia of all ETFs, I believe. Mm. Um and it just tracks the ASX 200, so that thing that you see on the news. It's just boring, low cost, just does its thing. Um, and over five years, the total return, which I'll get to in a moment, um, and I got this straight from the ASX data, the total return is 11.12% per annum on average. So that's like that per annum. Um, so what that basically says is it's actually above the 5 to 10% that I've quoted again and again and again. And you don't 
always think this because if you look at the share price or in your brokerage account, you look at the amount you have mm. invested in that ETF, it would not show you 11%. And the reason is, is because it pays distributions, which are like dividends. And most of us do not automatically reinvest them. Most of us, what we do is we take that as a cash payment and then we dilly-dally around and then we think, oh, market's a bit higher, I might hold off or whatever. So people don't have the dividend reinvestment plan automatically set up. Or with, say, something like Perla, which is a long-term sponsor of the show, full disclosure, with Perla, you can automatically reinvest that stuff. So the reality is, yeah, it's actually done better than probably most of us would expect. And the key thing to remember is that um, that includes the dividends, the impact of dividends. The total return is the growth in the share price plus the dividends reinvested. Yeah. And So um, just to clarify, when people are Googling uh, A200 ASX and the share price pops up on Google, that doesn't include distributions. That's just the share price over time. Yeah, so this is a common mistake that basically 90% of people in the media make as well. So a lot of people in the media, you might have heard in the last week, the Australian share market recently hit an all-time high. Uh, and that's great because it's, it's great. It's all-time high, right? That's because everyone looks at the price index. So what I mean by that is the ASX 200, the one that you see in the news is not the one that includes the dividends. So if you dig into it, you'll see the code is XJO. That's not the one that includes dividends. If you include the dividends, the ASX has been at an all-time high like dozens of times over the last 10 years. People don't realize it. They just think, oh, it hasn't gone up since 2007. No. If you include dividends, which is what Australian companies are known for, we're actually a wonderfully performing uh, stock market. Like it is incredible. And the reality is, is that we don't measure that because it's not as easy. It's not as in like, it's not as easy to intuit the return over time, like because everyone doesn't take dividends automatically and reinvest them. So yeah, the actual performance of the Australian share market has been incredible, like 11% over the past five years alone. Even we did a, a market update um, recently and like here on the Australian Finance Podcast and we showed that um, the Australian market was up double digits in 2023. And if you turned on the news, you'd think it's like uh, Armageddon. Um, but it, it, it's been ex exceptional. So you're right, Kate. If you go into Google or you go into your brokerage account, you are looking at the price only. So you want to be looking at the total return. The ASX monthly report does that. The websites of the ETF providers do that. Um, we also now offer on the RAS Media website, pardon me, on the RAS Media website, we are also starting to include all dividends and distributions paid of ETFs over time. So we've got a new fund comparison tool there, which you will be able to check out as well. Um, but yeah, dividends matter, especially in Australia. It is more important than ever. Yeah. And that's worth noting as well. If you're looking at individual companies, like you were looking at Commonwealth Bank or yeah. I was about to say Tesla, but that's definitely not Australian. <laughs> Tesla. Yeah, not, there we go. Australia, yeah. They also pay dividends. So you want to think about how that factors into the performance. Absolutely. Like there are some companies, um, I'll give you an extreme example. I did a like a two hour long interview with a guy called David Dicker. Um, love him or hate him. David Dicker uh, started a company uh, called Dicker Data. It's on the ASX under the ticker symbol DDR. If you just Google David Dicker RASC podcast, it's actually really illuminating the conversation that we had. But here's the thing about this company, which makes it very unique and it illustrates this point. 
that company pays out 100% of its profit as a dividend. And it has done for more than 10 years. So meaning that it leaves no like quote unquote profit. It still has cash and it still has debt. It leaves no profit in the bank. It pays it straight back as a dividend. So if you just looked at the share price, you would miss literally every single dividend that this company has paid. And it pays a lot of them over an extremely long period of time. Um, and so your return, if you just looked at the share price in Google, would be nothing compared to the actual return if you added up all of your dividends, the total return. And um, the re- one of the great reasons that they do that is because you can also get franking credits, which are those tax credits that, are, once again, are also not captured in the returns that you see cited in the news. Awesome. All right. So talking still about investing, but with an ethical lens, I've got a question from Party Pooper. Mm-hmm. I discovered RAS courses and podcasts this year and I've learned so much. Thanks for making this information so accessible. Here's my question. Can you build an entirely ESG slash sustainable core portfolio? Would this be a high risk, higher cost portfolio that's not really suitable for a beginner? From what I can tell, if you look at the ASX 200 and applied environmentally aware negative screenings, the top holdings would be quite different to just the ASX 200 normally. My idea is to start investing in an ASX 200 index ETF, but add more ethical and sustainable ETFs and shares as I increase in confidence, knowledge, assets over time. Is this plan realistic? I want to balance good returns because I'm just getting started with my ethics and I believe financial freedom will give me more power to do good long-term. Yeah, it's great. Um, I love that last line, give... Uh, like the long-term investing gives them the financial freedom and the financial freedom then allows them to do more good. And that's basically what we are all about at RASC, isn't it? Like we, we're we trying to do good along the way, but we're also mm-hmm. trying to grow the the RASC business so that we can offer more courses for free, so we can offer more podcasts for free. Um, so good on you for thinking this way. Yeah, so you can do this. Um, it's probably a lot easier than most people think. There's an ETF, DZZF, it's the BetaShares uh, ETF, um, that, that was set up to do this. Um, It's an ETF of ETFs. So it's an ethical ETF uh, that has other ethical ETFs inside of it. And it's, it was originally, it was purpose built for a long-term investor with a growth focus so that they could just buy some ETFs and bundle them all together pretty quickly. Uh, And since that BetaShares did a lot of work to pioneer the ethical ETF industry in Australia, since they've basically come out with these products, a lot of others have come to the market. And so some of the examples um, would be like the Vanguard uh, ETFs. There's also like the the ETFs that have basically got like a sustainability tweak. So we covered one very early days, the CLNE ETF. Kate, you might remember this on the Australian Finance Podcast. It's the Clean ETF. Uh, that's not an ethical ETF. That's a sustainable focus ETF. That's um, from Vanek. And heaps of them have come to the market since. And some of them have been slapped over the wrist, to be honest, for saying that they're ethical when they have like coal stocks and that. Because even though there's no one definition for ethical ETFs, ASIC, the regulator has basically said, well, we know there's not one definition, but how can you have a coal thing when most people don't believe that coal is an ethical investment, for example, right? Or like gambling companies or tobacco, or they're called sin stocks, typically speaking. Um, so yes, you can build a core ETF from a core portfolio from these types of investments. Uh, you will typically pay more, but some studies and there's a wonderful website called Market Forces um, this do, that does this, but also another website called uh, RIA R I double A RIA. 
um, that's the Responsible Investment Association of Australia or Australasia, that um, those websites provide actual research into how these investments have performed. And over the long term, the ones that actually pass through the tests of being a properly vetted ethical ETF, they tend to have outperformed. The problem is the, the reason why a lot of people don't invest this way um, is there's a myth that ethical investing costs you money. So it costs you returns. Because you don't own BHP, you won't get as big dividends. Because you don't own um, a tobacco company, you won't have the long-term growth. So whatever, you know. The reason is that's partially true, but it's partially false um, in that in the short term, your returns kind of bounce all over the place if you're an ethical investor. Because you don't own coal or you don't own whatever, um, and I'm using the the term ethical very liberally here. It could mean anything to anyone. But say, for example, you believe that coal is unethical or you believe that mining is unethical. Now, that's quite contrary to my own beliefs, but if you say that, then you would have excluded coal companies in 2022, which performed, they were the top performers. You may have excluded iron ore companies in 2023, which were exceptional performers. You may have excluded insert whatever. And so in the short term, your returns tend to just kind of like bounce all over the place relative to a normal ETF. But over the long term, you tend to end up with companies that are in healthcare, technology, uh, in like innovative science, um, manufacturing, like different types of manufacturing. So you tend to end up with these types of companies that do tend to be more long-term sustainable type businesses. So in the short term, yes, they go up and down, but in the long term, they tend to perform pretty well. Um, there is one final thing where sometimes the, the research tends to suggest that it could go either way, which is in things like uh, bonds. So in some bonds, um, you tend to have a situation where some of the companies in when they're trying to get debt, if they make a particular type of bond, so let's say, for example, you're Woolworths and you need to get $100 million of debt into your business and then you repay that just like you would a loan or something, you can issue what they call green bonds and you might plant 100 trees for every $10,000 invested or you might use that money to pay for solar panels on top of your supermarkets. And so those bonds have a different risk return profile because they're trying to at attract ethical investors. And so sometimes that can go good and sometimes that can go bad, but typically, it again, it kind of neutralizes the impact. Sorry if I got a bit nerdy, but basically what I mean to say is in the short term, it looks like you're doing something wrong because your returns are bouncing all over the place. But provided you follow all the same principles, you're diversified, you're focused on fees, you can do basically everything that you want to do as a quote unquote ethical investor that you can as a regular investor. Um, you can even have at, uh, active ETFs. And I didn't mean this on purpose, but we are sponsored by uh, InvestSmart, which intelligent investor. And I was just, as I was going through the ASX list, I noticed that they offer an ethical ETF that's actively managed. So you can get an active ETF that is has an ethical focus. So it doesn't even matter if you're passively invested, actively invested, large cap, small cap, mm. Australia, US, bonds, not bonds. They're all available now and you can build a full portfolio. Yeah. I think the important thing is just thinking you need to figure out what your own values and priorities are and what you do and don't want to be invested in. And that can take some time to work out. We've actually got a free checklist you can download inside of mm. our ethical investing course, which is also free. So feel free to check that out. But that helps you work out 
what is important to me? What do I want in my portfolio? What don't I want? Do I have a hard rule? Or if only 10% of the companies involved in this sector, am I okay with that? So things like that, that helps you start to figure out what you want. And then when you're doing all of this research, you can actually go armed with this information about what you want your portfolio to look like. You might not be able to replicate it precisely, but when mm. you're looking at any of those ETFs Owen mentioned and you're going on the ETF provider's website and looking at the holdings, you can see if that aligns with what you want. And the same with if you're looking at an ethical or a socially focused super fund or a managed fund or an active ETF, you can go in with this information. So the more knowledge, the better and working out what rules or guidelines do you want to implement in your own portfolio? Yeah, check out our ethical investing course. It's free. It's one of the really popular courses that we have on RASC Education and actually takes you through how to check what's inside your ETF, how the ETFs actually decide which shares go in, uh, as well as it looks at individual companies as well. So we look at like Commonwealth Bank Sustainability Report, Cochlear Sustainability Report, and you can actually analyze companies as well as ETFs for sustainability and for ethical investing. And we talk about that. So that's that's wonderful. All right. I've got one last question for you, Owen, from Tiny Dancer that I'm going to ask you to answer very quickly so I can go and watch the Super Bowl halftime show because uh, we all need to see Usher perform. When investing in ETFs containing international and US shares, what is the AUD hedged option? So hedged or unhedged? What's the deal? Yeah. Um, We talked about this in the recent market update. Hedged just means that the currency impact is neutralized. So basically what happens is the ETF provider makes an agreement with another financial firm over, say, in the United States. And when you buy that ETF, effectively what's happening behind the scenes is that say you buy it's 70 AUD, like that's the currency. If you then go into the that investment in the United States, the stocks and everything can still go up and down. But the reality is that the currency impact, if the currency goes up or down, it won't make a difference. So this is not to be confused with a hedge fund. A hedge fund is a different type of thing. A hedged with an extra D on the end. Hedged is just like a garden hedge. A really good garden hedge is flat from one end to the other. It's the same. If you, you know, ran your, if you were walking down the footpath and you had your hand on the top of the hedge at one point, you're down the other end, it's still the same height. That's kind of like the currency. It just stays flat the whole way along. Um, and you pay a little bit more. Most of the ETFs nowadays have a hedged version, unhedged version, like I hate, like IVV, which is the popular US ETF, has IHVV, which is the hedged version, and that's it. You did it very quickly. Well done. And that's it. We can go into more. There's heaps of content on that, by the way, inside RAS Core, because at the moment we moved into some currency hedged ETFs. And so for any members, you can go and check that out. The link's in the show notes. Amazing. Well, That's a wrap on today's investing Q&A. We'll have property, personal finance and financial planning Q&As happening over the next month. So stay tuned for that. If you want to ask questions, there is a link in your podcast player or the show notes on Rask Media so you can ask a question for this show or any other show. Yes, we're doing Q&As every week, at least across one of the shows. So uh, whether you're into business, property, DIY investing, ETFs, whatever, just send in your questions. We loved hearing from you. And we've got a wonderful panel of experts, not just the two of us up here talking about finance. There is a wonderful panel of experts that will be appearing regularly this year. So check it out. Kate, enjoy the halftime show. I'll, uh, I'll go have some lunch and uh, I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and were able to take one thing away from this episode. If you're keen to learn more, head on over to Rask Education and take one of our free money and investing courses. You could even become a Rask Core member for less than your Netflix subscription each month. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes in your inbox every week. Plus, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send any questions our way via the link in the description. And before we go on, did this podcast contain personal financial advice just for me? Absolutely not, Kate. Our podcast actually contains general financial information only. What that means is the information does not take into account your financial needs, goals, objectives, or even your situation. So because of that, it's important that you consider if the information is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on it. If that all sounds a bit confusing or you're still working out what your needs are, it's a great idea to consult a licensed and trusted financial planner. And don't forget to do your own research. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.